You've tuned into the Bellinger Podcast for the week of April Fools 2021, episode 185. From that no joke city by the Salish Sea, I'm AJ Marseille. And straight out of 98226, I am Chris Powell. On this episode, AJ and I are continuing the conversation colloquially, with camaraderie, collegially, and other C words, talking about collection culture. We started in the past, got a little bit to the present in the previous episode. Now we're talking about today and what's coming up in the future. Won't you join us? This is the Bellingham Podcast. Hey, Chris, how are we doing? Oh, just doing great. I love all of the audio edits that we're going to have to do for this episode. <laughs> so so when when we have to socially distance uh, record at Casa K. Powell's, um, <laughs> there is a wonderful uh, dog in studio audience, and uh, she just woke up from a nap yes. and had to go outside. And so there's a couple of errs and clicks, clicks as the doggy door swings. That's right. We have a, we have a studio guest, uh, one studio guest. She's loud. She's got a piercing bark she's a love mooch that's my dog anyway (laughs) last episode we were talking about collection culture not cancel culture uh 2020 called they want their idiom back let's talk about how we can get a little bit more collection hobby shop set up in this digital era Right. So to dovetail from last episode, we talked about the past and stuff, and we were just uh, just dovetailing into some of the things that, that Chris and I in our ute had collected. And specifically, you shared an awesome story about an old ball. Yes. Autographed baseball from a Major League Baseball star. So before we can go into the present and, f- uh, and future, we got to talk about a little bit of like our past and what we currently kind of collect. And so this is going to be an analog to what we're going to be talking about in today's episode, which is the future future of collecting and collection. But it'll still be a TikTok. Oh, it will still be a TikTok. So Chris, why don't we start with you? So when you either in your ute or currently, like what are what are some of the things that you say that you have a hobby or of collecting of? Growing up uh, in a very small town in Washington state, uh, I collected a great deal of sports cards, baseball, football, basketball. I had at one time, I was proud to say, because I collected with a source of pride, not knowing the investment value it could contain within. I had over 100,000 cards. Wait, what? Yeah. As soon as Costco started selling boxes of baseball cards, that exponentially grew, not exponentially, it grew to about a quarter million cards. uh, Some of value, some of doubles, some of what they called commons, which are uh, professional athletes that weren't as valuable as others. Uh, So sports cars was uh, a big thing for me growing up. I learned how to quickly organize a set of 660 cards from the back, uh, organizing by hundreds, then tens, then ones. And so that turned into my nerd things. Hey, fun fact. Girls in middle school love guys who can organize sports cards, not (laughs) talk. (laughs) So mine's just about as nerdy, right? Yeah. So I was a big comic book fiend back in the day. Um, There was this little, little shop uh, in in a a Kitsap Peninsula town uh, called Hidden Treasures, Books and Coins. And there... I mean, as as a kid that didn't have a lot of uh, allowance money, I would always go through the bargain rack of comics. Um, and they were always the older comics. They weren't the cool. Like, I used to love uh, Spider-Man, the Amazing Spider-Man, um, for those that are still listening and uh, are comic book fiends like I am. Love the original Maximum Carnage series leading up to the fall of Peter Parker and the, Mary of, uh, the, the marriage of Mary Jane leading up to Ben being this Crimson Spider. That said... Preach! 
before all of that, I wanted to know the the starting point of Peter Parker and Spider-Man. And so in that little comic book shop of coins and collect- other collectibles, they had the bargain box, which were these old, the 1950s and 60s editions of Spider-Man in not great shape. And so I used to pick those off because they were 25 cents, 50 cents, maybe a buck. Allowance budget worthy. Yeah. And so I would collect those and I I would read these old stories of the OG Peter Parker, right? And now fast forward, I still have some of those old editions. They're not in great shape, but they're like 25x gain if you want to look at an investment. I didn't care. Yeah. Um, I had friends in high school that collected comic books and they would buy them straight from the source or from the newsstand, immediately put them in a sleeve. And that's where they stood. Yep. I still remember in high school, a buddy of mine had the black, uh, the black cover of the death of Spider-Man or mm. Beth, sorry, the death of Superman, mm. which currently is being played in you know, the, the whole Zack Snyder thing. Sure. I remember that comic book when he brought it in. And what's funny is he never opened it up to read it. Mm. He just sleeved it. Yeah. Which again goes to the darker side of collecting. Like we talked about last episode. Maybe he was an investor. Yep. So, Tick. Um, I, growing up, I read a lot and uh, now I just look at pictures and articles. Uh, but back in the day, I seemed to collect and I'm prefacing a, a number of these uh, upcoming TikToks that my parents were avid garage sailors. Yeah. In the town that I grew up, uh, there'd be, you know, five or six garage sales my parents would go to and they'd acquire a whole lot of stuff. But they knew I liked those blue hardcover Hardy Boys mystery novels. Oh, nice. Uh, along the lines of mysteries, so to speak. Do you remember Encyclopedia Brown? Oh, yeah. Okay. So totally. that, uh, I had a number of Encyclopedia Brown books and was always never able to predict who did the yeah. nefarious act. And then I, I always enjoyed acquiring choose your own adventure books. Yeah. Whenever in school they had the book sales, I'd always ask politely if I could get one or two of the choose your own adventure books. Deadwood City is my jam. Anyway, talk. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna play into your 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 garage sailing background. Me too. Yes. Dude, Garfield. I was oh, all yeah. big about Garfield, that big fat cat. Oh yes. Uh the other thing that I, I used to be really big in was and still am, um, I do currently collect by uh, not gear acquisition syndrome, but just because of functionality and the enjoyment I get from it, video games and video game consoles. Oh, yeah. um, the first console that I really, uh, that my parents gave me was actually the original Pong back in the day Cool. Um, on a black and white TV. Then it was an Atari 2600. And I used to go to the Goodwills, the Value Villages and stuff and used to pick up the cartridges for the Atari 2600 for like a quarter, a dime a pop. And now if you look on eBay, those things are, you know, several dollars if not hundreds of dollars depending on the card if you wait 20 years you can make a 6x return for a buck 25 yeah from that quarter you purchased for it but i mean but at the time i wasn't collecting for the collecting sake. it was just because i liked video games yo yeah tick i my parents tended to acquire big gallon ziploc bags of lego parts uh and these weren't the kind of legos that are i'm creating the death star or anything. These are just randomized Lego pieces, and I was assembling the spaceship of all spaceships. In Build my your mind. own adventure. That's right. Uh, so I collected Legos. I had a big Horkin suitcase full of these Legos that I dump out on the floor of my bedroom. And let's let's take a Saturday afternoon, and I would let my creative mind go for it. So I collected a lot of Legos, thanks to my parents who would buy them for pennies on the dollar. Oh yeah, talk. Same, same here. Uh, so for me, watches, I, I got into that early on. Uh, I actually recently, uh, shout out to my watch fam folk. Um, I recently actually acquired a new old stock of my first 
uh, childhood watch, which was a, a Seiko derivative of an analog digital dive watch. It's not anything fancy and stuff, but I've been hunting for it for a while. Um, out of, if we look at last episode, nostalgia, you know, I, I remember that watch fondly. It was a watch that my dad got me. It's just this black resin case with a very turquoise dial and a digital display down below and Mercedes hands on the analog, uh, face up above. Hoorah. And I, I finally got one off of the bay after several years of hunting for one. And it's exactly what I remember it as. It was just this no-nonsense dive watch and stuff. But moving forward, it was like that watch and then the stories that I've shared on the show at Nauseam um, that has led me into like, you know, being a collector, a purveyor of horology and, and horological uh, time pieces for my own reasons, not for investment's sake. But um, yeah, that, that that's something that I still currently quote collect. I hate using that word. I'm not a watch collector. It's not me. Mm-hmm. I like watches. I wear watches. And I collect the stories that of my life as I wear said watches tick. My final tick, uh, is a different kind of collecting. And this one's a unique one that can tie into where we're at in the digital format. So back in the eighties, we did not have streaming. The only streaming that occurred was when you went out, uh, to go to a ditch and watch water kind of flow through, at least in my rural, uh, town that I grew up in. But I had a, 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 v, a video cassette recorder VCR back in the day. And I would have a blank video cassette. And one of the things I did was in high school, I would stay up from 12 a.m. to 2 a.m. And I would watch MTV's Headbangers Ball. Now, here's the thing. I was waiting patiently on my remote control for the VCR that had two buttons in order to record because you had to really mean it if you wanted to record something, right? right? It's not just inadvertently hitting a button. And when there was the start of a video of, a, of an 80s rock band, hard rock band, metal band that I really enjoyed, bang, within like four or five seconds, I would record that video and I would collect videotapes of my Headbangers Ball videos to watch not at midnight to 2 a.m. on a Saturday night. Right. That was that was the precursor to digital acquisition of something of value for me because, you know, sure, you go on YouTube and you can go, uh, so many other people of like uh, mindsets have uploaded those VHS to digital transfers. But back in 1989, 1990, to watch... Uh, Roxy Blues robbed the cradle. You want to go obscure old school 80s hard rock boys and girls? Check out a Van Halen ripoff man called Roxy Blue. Uh, that video, which was just a dead ripoff for Hot for Teacher, uh, you, it was like a one airing and done. Uh, and that was just like Cats and Boots, uh, her monkey. Who, what, who, who knows of this band anymore? Chris, I love the names. Like, oh, yeah. Monkey? Well, this is, this is a great kind of random username generator for <laughs> when you go for Passwords. emails accounts. Cats and, cats and Boots, Roxy Blue, LA Guns. Uh, just <laughs> think of all of the obscure circle of silence. Let's just go for it. That's a whole other episode. I acquired 80s hard rock videos on videotape because, of course, all girls in high school love guys who watch 80s headbangers ball videos, right? Not. Not. Tick. So my, la- my, my last talk is just outdoors stuff. I mean, as, an, as a kid of the outdoors, like most of, I would go through boots like it was no tomorrow or, you know, I would go rip through pants or you know, I've destroyed a few watches in my, my time, you know, like gear for me. You use what you collect. Yeah. For me, like, but I wanted to put it in here because like that's quintessentially like a, a fundamental like personality trait of me is, is like, I will have gear to be used. 
um, predominantly for the outdoors. Like I'm not big into tools. I do have tools and stuff, but the tools of my trade are, are typically that of hiking and, and fishing and adventuring and stuff. But outside of that, I do collect, you know, uh, microphones and stuff for, you know, doing our podcast on Camry 102.3 FM. Oh, that one that's community powered and streaming uh, all over the wor- darn world on KMRE.org and your web browser of choice. Yeah, that one. Oh, that one. Very good. Okay. <laughs> so to dovetail into this episode of the future of collecting, the reason why Chris and I went through our, our analog collections of our Ute to today is because right now there's a big buzzword of NFT. Yeah, no fun tonight. Or no non-fungible tokens. Wait, wait, wait. What was that middle word again? Fungible. Like fungus. Like, yeah, fungus. Something that grows on you. <laughs> like this podcast after 185 episodes so, go on so this is built off of uh, a lot of the hype that we've seen with the the increase and rise of of speculation under bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and i fomo and the the notion of blockchain which um i've said on the show several times like for me the interest in in it is the technology of, of the blockchain not necessarily the investment vehicle And non-fungible tokens kind of bring this notion of how do we do this analog to digital conversion of collecting physical goods like we just talked about, but in a digital sense, because digital cut copy and paste and you have a replica of the original, right? Or go to your favorite website in some cases, and there's a link to be able to download a file, which is an accurate in a lot of cases pretty darn accurate representation of the original object, item, uh, art, whatever have you. Right. So with with this notion of NFT, it brings um, something that actually the, the watch fam actually talks about a lot. When you have a watch to, to justify who it came from and its lineage and heritage, you have this no, notion of prov, uh, provenance, which means that you know, like for instance, uh, Paul Newman's Daytona, Daytona that sold for five point whatever, uh, you know, billion dollars. The that we know that that came from Paul Newman because of the chest custody of 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 uh, chain of custody, right? Of who had it and it got passed on, and that is how auction houses can sell something, gangbusters, because they know that that provenance of the piece in digital. It's hard to do that because we have cut, copy, and paste culture where, you know, the original um, Naya cat, the rainbow cat going through the the gif, right? You could actually have the original if you knew the originator artist of it and there was a token that could be not uh, faked or forged. No differently in the art uh, world. Like, how do you know that Rembrandt is a Rembrandt? How do you know it wasn't forged? Rembrandt ain't around. We can't test the, the provenance short of the pigments and stuff, but that is all fakeable. So a non-fungible token is to try to uh, negotiate the fact that this original digital work, whatever that work may be, uh, a musical work, uh, uh, a visual work, is indeed the original and you have that limited quote edition of that original work. It's approaching that uh, attempt for authenticity Correct. of the actual thing that you're paying a a uh, great deal of money, fiat funds, crypto funds for. Right. And so what this is, has, uh, we've seen kind of skyrocket in recent is like these little pixelated like zombie pictures that got created and now they're selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars. And But again, all, it doesn't matter what, what it is right now. The hype 
is about this FOMO. Everybody wants to have, like, we try to get one of these and collect, got to collect them all, Chris, because you don't know which one tomorrow might be worth $100 million. Right, because we want to be on headlines and a news uh, website.com to be able to say, yes, this little $50 investment turned into $7.5 million because that's what we're pursuing because we want to be able to be able to post on our Facebook timeline or excuse me, you who might have your Facebook timeline can post about, look at this great investment I have. Humble brag, I dare say not. Well, so again, like it's, it's one of those, did things. I just, did I just put a whole uh, no, dour no, mood on this? Things? No, that's, that's, that's the TikTok of the dark side of collecting. Well, I, I'm feeling kind of dark right now. I'm wearing mostly black. When do you not? But the, here's the thing is like we just talked about in last episode, you need to collect for you, not necessarily as an investment vehicle. You know, these, these, these things that are currently being hot right now, whether it's the digital cats thing or those digital zombies thing, it's, does that piece of work really resonate with the people that are trying to do it? Or are they just trying to do it because they're trying to game a system, a casino as it were? Are you, are you entering into this opportunity where you're spending money to acquire something that will have a bigger payoff? Dare I say a jackpot uh, to use a casino term, or are you going to be like Marie Kondo and get something that sparks joy in your life? Yeah. And that's where, uh, that's the crux of why we're doing this two-parter right here. So with that said, like, and you dabbled in some of the earlier days of this pre blockchain type stuff. Like we talked about the fact that you and I are a big comic book and, and sport cards aficionados. Digital comics have been a thing, you know, Comixology. I was on their platform early on, but I'm buying these digital comics too. Again, I was a reader of comics. I want the stories. I'm not worried about selling my digital edition of my Spider-Man number one. Or, or do I want an NFT of a Spider-Man number one? No, not really. You know, you were in the whole, I think, Tops. So, yeah, well, yeah, Tops, uh, way back in the day, the top three sports card companies were tops with two P's Fleer and Donruss and then upper deck came into the play and then Bowman was already there and then it just went kaboom everyone's got the sports cards well tops had to make a pivot because everyone's on their phone no one no, you know the, the 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 sports card market is just a, a boy I got to keep this clean don't I <laughs> um anyway they created an app uh, for baseball, football, and a whole lot of other stuff. Uh, you like pro wrestling? They got a sports card app for you there. You like, uh, what was it, maybe Star Wars, I think? There was, there was some... Probably. Uh, yeah. Uh, football. Football has its own app. But anyway, you would be able to get free cards, and if you... Uh, do some activities or play some games. You can get additional cards or you can make purchases of cards. And some of them are limited editions. Some of them have this really sparkly, bright hologram kind of thing mm -hmm. that designate itself as a special card. I checked it out, went first. Tops and Panini, not the kind of Panini. Yeah, not the I'm hungry now. I line forms the left, buddy. Uh, <laughs> there are two companies that you can install the app on your phone and acquire these cards. Well, if I got a Patrick Mahomes uh, rookie card that's limited edition or something like that, I could either enjoy looking at that on my screen for the battery life that I have remaining, or I can claim that I can make a digital sale on eBay to sell this as an investment when the market's hot and someone would purchase this for a price that I would designate or the auction would go, and then I would trade them username to username 
for like, they'd send me a common and I would trade them for this highly valued card. It's so, this is a Mobius strip of what? <laughs> You're right. Uh, but yeah, digital sports cards, it's there. But I realized, oh, that's taking a whole lot of attention from my life and sorting through things and earmarking things and acquiring things and playing the games that they have in there to acquire all these cards. Not how I'm wanting to spend my life in this current decade I'm in. So that was, yeah, digital sports cards are a thing, but there's there's a lot of other uh, online types of hobbies, collections that can be occurred. So, so it went kind of from like, you had the analog cards to like this digital platform owned by the original publishers, right? Yes. And now the opening version of that would be like what we're seeing with NFTs, where you have an open blockchain system. Mm -hmm. It's a network that can be publicly vetted, et cetera. And anybody can make any digital thing, a token that can show the authenticity and chain of custody as it were. Now, the thing about this versus the tops is like you just said, like once you have it, how do you wire people money and usernames and stuff? It is a little bit of a trek to Mordor oh, yeah. to do anything in crypto. You know, full disclosure, Chris and I have both have dabbled in, in crypto before. We're not, you know. Yeah, we don't know what offers. the heck we're talking about. We're two knuckleheads that uh, have gone first, but yeah. we're not the experts. Don't take advice from us in this current realm. Yeah, we, you know, when it comes to any of the cryptocurrencies. But with that said, today it is a lot easier to manage um, doing this whole dabbling in Bitcoin or whatever, you know, you got things like um, Coinbase, Coinbase, which is now like kind of the the, the clearinghouse to get fiat into uh, crypto. You know, digital wallets these days. Heck, I have one that you can run within within the Firefox browser as an extension. Mm -hmm. It is a lot easier. The Brave browser has Brave attention tokens yeah. that just by going to certain websites, you accrue cryptocurrency. That's a whole nother episode we already talked about. Yeah. But how to get, how to transform an investment or a collection of digital files, digital information well, into your cashola. It's, it's one of those things where you have to kind of collect. The, the reason why I was going down the crypto line is that you have to collect the crypto to be able to buy yeah. said digital yeah. NFT. You know, it's not like you can go down and say like, here's my one US dollar and I would like a digital NFT of Spider-Man number one. It doesn't work like that still. It's still very much a double-edged collecting sword. And then you have to play a little bit of speculation. And and, and again, like, do you, do you really want to go down that Mordor to eventually spend real fundable funds to get something that is a digital thing that, you can cut, copy and paste. Funds for fungible. Yeah. That's on, on the next Bellingham podcast. Not quite. <laughs> but anyway, it's, it's fun to say. But um, I, I, I'm kind of joking. I mean, like, the, to bring more of a jesting thing, um, when we had several, several episodes back, we had a, a young uh, student who was uh, very deep into crypto and, and actually enlightened both of us yes. um, with his knowledge, Nick. Um, and when we had him up on the show, like I threw out this word, um, that is uh, used in the sphere called hodling. Hodling is when you collect a bunch of different cryptos. H-O-D-L, hold on for dear, dear life. life. Yeah, yeah hodl. So. When you hodl something, you're collecting it. And so for instance, he was talking about, he was hodling, um, Ethereum and, and, you know, there's, there's this other fork of Bitcoin and stuff. And, you know, he was talking about his strategy and now I'm, I'm, in kind of reflecting back on that episode and how we've progressed forward. Um, and I've dabbled in like moon coin and, and, and all these other different coins and stuff that have really amounted to much of nothing. Uh, it's kind of hodling is the digital version of hoarding now. Well, yeah, it's, it's also going into a casino for a, a lot of ways, yeah. you know, you're, you're pushing a button. 
uh, after you've... Am I going to get it? it will will this day? one be the one? And sure, you keep trying. The, uh, you know, the house always wins. I, I don't like that idiom, but it's true. Yeah. Um, well, in the crypto world, you might be, if you get in on the ground floor, you might be able to uh, work on things. Yeah, there's, there's, a, a, a web, there's an app out there that one could download on your mobile device. It's called B... Like the buzz, the one that stings you, the b.com. And the one that stings you. AO. Uh, KO. What this is, is all, you know, you, you activate it and it uses some of your iPhone processor time or your phone's processor stuff and you accrue, uh, not Bitcoin, but it's a form of cryptocurrency uh, over a 24 hour period. And then you can, next day, you press the button again and it just works. It does not torpedo your battery life. I've checked this. I've done this for about a month now, uh, but it's there. And I've got like 400 plus shares of B.com crypto. Woohoo! Right. I'm going to Iceland. Uh, no, not quite, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's a way that you can have fun if that is what you're in it for. Yeah. From an investment standpoint, this is not going to pay for our daughter's education, <laughs> not by a long shot. Am I, am I going to be the envy of my people? People don't understand what I do in technology anyway. anyway yeah. They're not going to be impressed by this. No. Uh, why am I doing it? Because why not? It's an experiment. Well, for us, it's, a, it's an experiment to understand the, the underlying and underpinning technology. For us but, to be able to talk about it on the show. Sure. <laughs> but like, but it's funny, like looking at crypto and looking at that as a, as a collection um, hobby, as you were, you know, like I remember early days of mining and stuff and moon, moon coin and Dogecoin and stuff. And now it's funny, like Bitcoin, everybody's like, oh, I really wish I could have mined for Bitcoin. We now know as technologists, like the output of Bitcoin to the input of electricity and fundage to do it, you don't gain a lot. You don't, you don't make money. Yeah. And so now there's like Chia, which is, is now founded by the guy that created BitTorrent or, you know, BitTorrent back in the day uh -huh. and stuff. And now like we're seeing the technology the technology underpinning the blockchain mechanism um, kind of shift where instead of using GPU power, you know, here's something that's looking at using hard drive space, something that we have an abundance of mm -hmm. to quote farm out. Who knows how any of this is going to play? The, the, the thing that AJ and I are trying to uh, put a bow on in this case, if, if, if you will, is that it's great to dive into where everyone is currently uh, running to like that new restaurant in Bellingham that just opened up. Let's all go there. Uh, eventually, you may want to get rid of it or sell it. And in order to do that, you you got to ask yourself, you got to be ready. Are you prepared to do what it takes to sell your digital good? Are you willing to stick a fork in that digital NFT when it, when the time comes? Kind of like how we're just about to stick a fork in this part two episode. Absolutely. In short, collect for you and no other reason other than that. Well said. On that note, that wraps up for this edition of the Bellingham Podcast. Thank you again so much for listening to us, rating us, reviewing us, wherever you like to get our podcast. Remember, if you're in the Bellingham area, you might be listening to us collecting us on KMRE 102.3 FM. They are community powered and streaming all over the darn internet at KMRE.org. And on that note... No, seriously, collect for you and nobody else. I'm AJ Barsay. And I'm Chris Powell. Thanks once again for joining us on the Bellingham Podcast as we approach episode 200. We are collecting episode uh, numbers, I guess. Though. We have a large amount of episodes. Yes, they are in the archives. It's like Daffy Duck 
tossing all those gold coins up and down in the cartoon. I'm rich. I'm wealthy. I've got 185 shows. We will not have an NFT for episode 200. No, we're not. Yeah.